You're listening to Getting Anything Done with Lisa Seamus and Rebecca Flowers Seamus. Okay. And are we saying productivity or productivity? Oh, we better get that out of the way. Productivity? Productivity. Okay. Productivity. All right. Okay. Welcome to episode two of Getting Anything Done, the productivity podcast for the rest of us. We are recording in early February. We hope you will have this episode up by June, <laughs> right around the time we file our taxes in June. <laughs> and find the kids up for summer camp. <laughs> right. Oh my God. I've done that so many years. So many, so many years. Year after year after year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So our focus today on today's podcast is what is productivity? And I also feel the question, you know, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we need to pose this question with a little bit of edge because it annoys us. Yeah. So we have to say to ourselves, like, what even is, is productivity? What even (laughs) constitutes? (laughs) What is? Yeah. Productivity. Okay. We're going to get to that question later. The first thing we're going to do though, is we're going to do our semi-weekly check-in. Yeah. So let me start with you, Rebecca. How was your January? I guess what we're doing, like, how was your January? All right. My January. Now, when we first talked about doing this show Mm -hmm. some months ago, not as many as probably should have been, right? But when we first started to conceive of this show, I was in the middle of, you know, writing a draft of a book that I had been working on for some months. So uh, my deadline for the full first full draft, 200 pages, was mid-January. Mm. And I'm thrilled to say <gasps> I met that goal. Did you? I just got chills, baby. I did. That's did you? incredible. Congratulations. Well, the words themselves are probably not incredible, but the, the the scaffolding is there. At least I have the scaffolding there. That's what you signed up for, right? Yeah. When you started this, that's exactly what you said. Is like my biggest problem has been that I, you know, I obsess over mm-hmm. everything has to be just so, and then I never I never build up the momentum that I need to keep me going, and it's very hard work. You set yourself such a clear goal, and I think that's so important. You were like, I'm going to move forward, and I'm not going to care about the quality until I go to revise. I'm just going to push forward. And you did it. I did. And And so my second confession there was, yes, we all say shitty first draft, but don't we secretly hope that it's really not going to be all that shitty and that we're going to look at it and we're going to be like, this is nearly there. My God. That sadly did not happen, but I've got, you know, I've got like the, the bones to put the fat and the carcass, the carcass on now. That's awesome. Congratulations. Let me just get really serious here for a minute. What you just said was so amazing. 200 pages. Yeah. 200 pages. Well, in the ballpark. Okay. In the ballpark. And it's draft and it's shitty draft, but it's yours. It's a shitty draft. It's amazing. And you did it. It is mine. I did it. So I going. did it. Now I just have to, in your words, monetize the fuck monetize out of it. Monetize the fuck 
out of just like basically the shittier the shittier the better honestly yeah it's yeah. been my experience on the content marketing side of things. <laughs> just break it up into one sentence paragraphs. Nobody will notice that the writing is shitty because they'll be like, ooh, look how pretty it is with all the white space around. I can it. I can totally read this. And I'm gonna use I'm gonna sell that white space, of course, to to advertisers so that when I send that around to agents, I'm I'm getting eyeballs. You know? The, there you go. Yeah. Right? That yeah. that that white space is monetizable right. as Right. So exactly. Here's a shitty novel plus some advertising for some things you don't want or need. Your brand here. Your brand here. You could have you could have affiliate links like Uh in Uh your text. Yes. Now we're thinking. We could just we could just walk around talking in websites and basically ask them to pay us when we just you know walk up to someone and like, oh hey hi Brooklinen.com. And then you get five cents for that. (laughs) We should do that. It would be so efficient. Just like I was saying, you know, I was saying in the last episode, so much of your conversations are wasted space anyway. So you just, you know, just drop in a, drop in a little link. You just be like, you know, anchorsteam.com. Anchorsteam is coming back, by the way, they're making a big deal. So we better get on that train. Anchorsteam. What do they make? Who the, who the hell is that? What do they do? Beer. Okay. Oh, let me just I'm let me just open a twenty third tab. Twenty third tab to see if that's even their website. Isn't that isn't that the name of your productivity tool, Lisa? The twenty third tab. <laughs> twenty three tabs. tabs. That's my that's my productivity tool. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a very very mm, nice mm-hmm, site. Anchor mm-hmm. Brewing. If you can hear us, we're telling you that you have a very nice site, and we would not mind uh, dropping. Your link even into ordinary conversations like, oh, hey, good morning. How was your weekend? Anchorbrewing.com instead of saying your coworker's name. Or I might just walk up to someone and say, anchorbrewing.com anyway. <laughs> I'm having your baby. Yes. Anchorbrewing.com, you bastard. That'll be fine. You bad, bad boy. <laughs> I think we hit on how we're gonna just monetize the fuck out the of fuck out of our lives. Our lives. Yeah. I will say this. I'm just gonna say this. Brooklinen.com is going to be one of my affiliate links because I adore them. Mm. Honestly, if you've never slept on their sheets, terrific. Not very expensive. Made in Brooklyn. Really? That's why they're Brooklinen. Yeah, that's the cutest, really. What's the thread oh, count gosh. there? I knew you would ask me that. You are not much of a spokesperson for them. You I'm just going to say, my dead husband. My dead husband couldn't go anywhere without, you know, consulting the thread count. Now there is a line. You are worse than my dead husband. <laughs> you are worse than my dead husband. <laughs> and like, I love how we just drop that in. We don't explain it. Nope. <laughs> like just None needed. <laughs> like, that's another episode. Who get that? You'll get it. The rest of you, yeah. I'm sorry to say, you still have it in store for you. So, all I'm going to say, yeah, about that. It's your turn now, though. How was your productivity since we last spoke? I'm glad we're looking at January because I have great things to report on January. In the first week of February, just a preview when we do our February check in or weekly check in or whenever we're going to do it, um, my actual job intervened the nerve. 
and um, really slowed me down on a number of fronts. But I will say that in January, both my husband and I started making a lot more um, side income. We're not nearly where we need to be, but we're starting to feel the benefit of, I, I do um, Amazon Turk. Nobody could have predicted that that would be the side gig that would stick, but it's just hits me in just the right spot. It's literally working for pennies. It's, it's amazing that that's the thing that's working out. And I'm tutoring a, an absolutely lovely, lovely um, young Brazilian attorney who's here studying at American University, and he's really cool. I hope he's listening. Um, I meet him every Saturday for like conversation. And sometimes we actually do talk about productivity and how to keep him on track for his dissertation and things like that. Um, so those are my side gigs. And then my husband is grading papers at his school. And I did launch my blog. I launched my blog. My goal was January 1st. And I actually launched it a few days early because I was I was active on Twitter. I fell in with a group of really cool, funny, fun, personal finance bloggers who tweet. Uh, they don't always tweet on message or tweet their marketing things. They, they talk to each other. You know, they, they actually interact. So I kind of fell in with this good group. And it inspired me to start early and to post a list for 2019 of 19 goals, uh, many of which are financial in nature, a couple of which are not. And um, I launched a newsletter, and to my amazement, I got subscribers. And I also, to my amazement, I wound up writing seven posts in January, which wow. some of them I had, I had pre-drafted, um, but, but uh, nonetheless, that's a pretty good pretty good product yeah. without and a newsletter and so you know for for a start pretty good where's your all right where can where can listeners find your blog actually these days probably if you just google traumatized budget you'll find me because nobody else is calling themselves that who, who what kind of crazy person would call their personal finance blog the traumatized budget if you if you go to google you just punch in traumatized budget guess what i'm first in the search results they haven't, That's they haven't beautiful. How to, how to un, un dislodge me from the top of the search results, and you'll see all my posts. And um, I'm also on Twitter as Cheap Bohemian. So that was my my January. Um, but you're feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Well, okay. no, I, let me take that back. Let me be super <clears throat> honest. Yeah, I'm feeling good in the sense that I, I I did something that I set out to do, but I'm also feeling a little bit of that like. Um, it's a very familiar feeling of remorse. Like, what did I get myself into? And now to do this right is going mm. to be so hard. Like, I started mm. off with a bang. I doubled my following on Twitter, which was already, it was very small. I mean, I can give you numbers because, like, I doubled my following on Twitter from 140 to 307 <laughs> you know like it's not that sounds that sounds like a lot to me are you telling them about the show or are you like telling I, them about I the am. podcast I am, I am I promise I am and I'm going to man that's a more. lot of peeps I'm gonna I'm gonna do it some more um okay take it away <laughs> take it away oh, what what even is productivity well first of all I just want to I just want to like a little a little quick side trip and it's related. I'll get it all related. Trust me. Did you know that conversation hearts in this week of Valentine's Day are no more? They, are, they have gone out of production. From the Washington Post, 
After 117 years as America's confectionery currency of affection, sweethearts are dead. Long live some e-cards. Right. Which is uh, what we all use now. Its maker, the New England Confectionery Company, or NECO, as in NECO wafers, once the longest continuously operating candy company in the country, was sold in a bankruptcy auction in May. Oh, sad. Its only factory was shut down shortly after. Um, there's a great little quote by the um, by a candy historian. What a sweet job that is, literally. Candy historian Jason, Lee- Jason Liebig says, Candy has a lot of emotional connotations. The affection for them is tied to memories of childhood and simpler times. It's a pretty big hit to our collective history. There is a company called Spangler in Ohio. Oh, nowhere. Oh, the Spangler Company. Sure. They have bought Neko. So Neko ah. might be coming to your Neko the Woods. Oh, ouch. <laughs> not live twatting, but it's the best I could do. Ouch. Okay, I bring this up. At the beginning yes. of our why do you about, bring like, this up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what? Why? Well, I'm glad you asked. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I think about what productivity is, and I even went and I'm so geeky, I went and looked up the etymology of the word productivity. Pro, okay, prod. You are to producing prod. something. Oh, producing something, producing, and it's associated with farming and with bringing uh-huh. produce from the earth. Uh-huh. Yeah. reproducing, making, all these organic, earthy things. And right. I was just thinking about, like, how many things that we really love in this world, like these silly candy hearts that, frankly, never tasted that good. Mm-hmm. They're not mm-hmm. productive. You know, they're not mm. – their value mm. doesn't lie in how – Productive, productive they, are. they are. That is not why we love candy. No, you are correct. Candy does not produce anything but cavities and weight. So And and bad feelings when you don't get any for Valentine's exactly. Day year after year exactly. after year. So anyway. Thank you, uh, Wadsworth Public Schools. <laughs> um, but I and I have to I do have to put a plug in non-affiliate link for etymology online which is this great place you can go. Ooh. I mean the internet uh-huh. itself is a non-productivity engine, right? Like Oh yeah. 90% of what you do on the internet is not productive. And human beings are great because right. the tool for efficiency that you give us, we will subvert it and make it a waste of yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, who knew that yeah. the entire military industrial complex had invented the internet so we could watch cat videos and boobies and boobies right where are, where are you watching boobies i don't watch i'm not but most people online are that's my understanding Booby watching most people at any one time on the internet are looking at naked boobies really you know i never no. found them that interesting but then i sport a pair so <laughs> <laughs> Sport them if you got them. Sport them if you got them. <laughs> <laughs> well, is this going to be one of those things where we kind of get to the to the to the inevitable point where we agree that that productivity is a highly subjective term that each person has to define for themselves? I think it is relative to a point. I think though, there's an implicit, very um, strong implicit s- set of values around it. Hmm. It definitely has to do with going forward, right? 
like even, uh, you know, we were just listening to uh, Wonderlass this week, right? Um, and sort of assessing her performance. And I want to talk about her work a little bit more later, but she talks about how important it is to sit and reflect and then move forward. So like even your reflection is about moving forward and doing more things, like analyze what right. you did before and do more things better. But why I, do we need doing, to do more things better? Like that I think that's to where me the, is... implicit assum- the implicit set of values comes in. Right. We live in a society that is governed by two important measures of productivity. The gross domestic product, literally productivity. How much do we produce? Mm-hmm. How many widgets do we put out? If we count the widgets and we have more widgets this month than we had last month and our productivity has gone up and we're good, that's good for us. The other measure is the other end of that funnel, which is the uh, consumer price index. Um, how much are consumers buying? What are they paying for what they buy? I will confess right this moment that I do not know what metric or what metrics go into the consumer price index, but only that it is some kind of measurement of consumption. And it may or may not be a measurement of like mm-hmm. how much value a consumer is getting for their dollar. But so that said, we're, we're measuring, literally measuring the quality of life, the quality of our economy, everything about what is supposed to make America good or make the developed countries good or make the global market good. We're measuring it in terms of what we produce and who buys it and for how much. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. If you look at even a lot of the language around social equity, boils down to, and rightly so, making sure people have jobs and that they can build wealth because they've got to be able to do that. But what it leaves aside is who knows each other in that neighborhood, how long they've known each other, what they do together, what shared history they have, whose family is in this house, whose family used to live in that house, and now his cousin has that house. In these kinds of family connections, neighbor connections, kind of the fabric of our lives, not measured anywhere. It's not not considered productive. Is it productive? We give lip service to it. We say, yeah, everybody wants to live in a neighborhood where the neighbors look out for each other. But you can't measure it. It's not, you know. And none of these productivity blogs are talking about be a better neighbor, go turn out the vote, <laughs> you know, be a civic, be a civic mm-hmm. uh, activist, mm-hmm. you know, do things for your community. There are other bloggers doing that. There are political bloggers doing that. But but in the in the world of productivity, yeah. nobody's doing that. We, it's not productivity. We have coined the term uh, humanctivity. Humanctivity. You take credit for that. That's your term. That's humanctivity. That's right. I think what As I'm opposed talking to... about is what what would what kind of journal would you get for for keeping track of your humanctivity? Mm-hmm. Rightly, a lot of people who are in this space of productivity. I'm going to name drop one of them, Jennifer T. Chan, who's amazing, a Toronto-based attorney, young attorney, who mixes, she does personal finance, minimalism, productivity, and social justice. So she mixes all of these Mm. things together. It's a very wonderful brew of, you know, how to get along in essentially capitalist framework and stay aware of the costs of that and and what it might be like to to be more engaged with humanctivity, right, Mm -hmm. in your life. Um, Jennifer Chan. Chan. Jennifer T. Chan. If you just Google her, you'll come across her blog, which 
has a wonderful uh, name. What is her blog? Her blog's name is jenniferthchan.net. It's called Deliberate Discourse. And she's just quite wonderful. She said today on Twitter, hmm. those who perpetually seek out personal finance advice are often attempting to pacify their own anxiety. I was one of them. A more effective solution is to avoid looking to others and identify your own worst case scenario and dedicate all your effort towards avoiding it. For example, more than not being able to afford a down payment, green car, and so forth, I'm concerned about easy access to cash for emergencies, and so I prioritize increasing my savings over all the other goals. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. This eliminates almost all mm -hmm. of my financial anxiety. The best indicator of what you should be focusing on right now is simply deciding where you absolutely don't want to be in the future. So she's just a very clear thinking and yeah. very human. Well, if I may, no, I like if I may extrapolate from that, that was more where where my thinking went was the the worthiness mm -hmm. project and how my sense of productivity relates to my personal worthiness mm -hmm. project. Right, like I deserve to be here on Earth, taking up air mm -hmm. and. Mm -hmm you know, reserves that could go to a more worthy person because dot, 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 right? Like I deserve to be here and I deserve the love I'm getting because I hit my 200 page count that I want, whatever, you know, I write books, I publish books, I do this, I do that, you know, and uh, 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 it gets very tied up in my, my sense of self and my identity and my anxiety. Like, I think she's, absolutely right to peg the anxiety. Yeah. And I would say, wouldn't the framing of I deserve to live because of what I'm producing, what I'm doing, even though what you're producing, quote unquote, is something very human. It's on the human activity end of the spectrum of yeah. production, but you're still feeling like you have to prove that you deserve to breathe. Yeah. Like you, you didn't ask to be born. You don't deserve to breathe. You just breathe. Right. My, Dear departed, recently departed cat Rambo mm. didn't go around thinking about like, do I deserve to purr? Oh, hell no. Oh, no. He just purred like it was. <laughs> he just purred his like own... an Evan Rude motor. Exactly. He did. I wanted to say that for That's years. a beautiful phrase. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I say to you, I, I, I do, however, love the, the name The Worthiness Project. That's quite wonderful. I didn't know you were engaged in a worthiness project. Well, I can't remember who coined it. It would have been Gretchen Rubin, perhaps, or or even Pima. It might have been Pima. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So we're introducing a segment this week. We realize some of you are listening to actually maybe even get some ideas from this. We don't know why you're listening to us for that, but we're going to try to oblige. And we're going to do a little quick... Um, sort of the, the best and worst of the productivity tips out there. Hmm. Um, we've both done some research on this. I've got, uh, I've got a couple. Rebecca's got a couple. And so hopefully you'll, you'll walk away from this with some ideas. Okay. You want to go, go first? So it's like, what is the worst, the worst productivity tip you came across this week? So I was listening to, I, I sort of did like a browse of the productivity podcasts that were out there. And, um, it is, it is very bro heavy. You completely oh, nailed that. Yeah. It is so bro heavy. Yeah. Yeah. 
because their worthiness project centers completely around work, Absolutely. right? I mean, Absolutely. typically for men, I should mm-hmm. say, typically for men. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, you know, it was definitely like the, the, the first thing at 5am kind of mentality, right? Like you got to hit the ground running at 5am and popular right now. If I see one more thing about, we interviewed the 100 most successful people in the world and we discovered what they have in common. They all get up at three in the morning and first they appropriate from several different cultures, religious traditions to meditate. Well, and then they have a hearty breakfast of exactly three olives and some micro doses <laughs> of LSD. It's funny you should mention religion. I listened to one called Head in the Clouds with Ryan Romeo. Uh, and Ryan, Ryan, when he first started this podcast, somebody said, you know, it's great that you want to talk about, um, you know, a you want a Christian audience for your Christian productivity podcast, but would you ever consider expanding it beyond a Christian audience? And Ryan had to think about that for some time. Well, that's my what first he finally decided Ryan was right there. He had to think about that. What <laughs> okay. He finally, what he finally decided was that for him, um, having a meaningful life and being productive rests really squarely on um, your moral, you know, your values and your morality, which for him is, is unquestioningly Christian. Has he, and if you don't have Christian values, Christian, like the crusade value network and stuff, because the, he just feels that if you're if 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 you don't have that relationship to Christ, then you can't really understand values. So I'm going to make that the worst productivity oh, tip so I heard this means, week. Change my religion. Pretty much. Change my religion to wow. be more productive. Wow. Yeah. For the record, for those of you still listening. <clears throat> I think Jesus is actually kind of wonderful. It's just the people who think they understand him that I have problems with. But I, I think Jesus is pretty cool. Mm. And I, I do think he existed. And I think he would just be looking around now and be like, what in the fuck? You guys, we're not listening. But he would say it, in a, he'd say it in a Jewish way because he, <laughs> he might. What the <laughs> hell? What the hell? This is not. A sugar nut. Meshuggah <laughs> the Christians. All right, back to you. All right, my worst one now. A disclaimer here. I did this a little quickly, and so I'm not necessarily saying that this. Advice... Well, I did mine five minutes ago. So <laughs> okay, I'm not, as I was speaking, I'm not necessarily saying that this advice is going to turn out to be terrible advice, or that this particular productivity blogger is necessarily <clears throat> giving out bad advice. I'm just right. I'm just going on what I see here, okay? So I open this thing up on Medium. It's in one of their verticals called Better Humans, which is all about improving yourself as a human. And the, the name of it is How to Do 1,000 Push-Ups in a Single Day. Applying behavior science to my fitness routine gave me the motivation I needed to hit a brag-worthy endurance goal. I'm not going to name the blogger because she seems like a very nice person, but holy Mm -hmm. shit. This thing is a 17-minute read. That's long, in case you're wondering. 
uh, on, on the I end. could be doing five sit-ups so in that time. And if you skim it, there's like, you'll, you will need a three by four dry erase wall calendar, a green check mark uh, for, for each day that you meet your goal. And then she counts days. Wait, I have to go out and get a green check the mark? The duration of, yeah, <laughs> you have to be able to make one. Uh, she counts. <laughs> That's okay. a prerequisite. You don't have to be a Christian. So things are looking up. So she, she goes into a lot a lot, a lot of detail about how she did this. Uh, but um, let, me, let me get to the money here. The, uh, the keys to staying motivated, right? So competence. We need to experience mastery, our ability to control outcomes. Autonomy. We need to have a sense of control in our lives and be us to live in a way that is congruent with our sense of self relatedness. We need to feel a sense of connectedness to other people. And so that's the point in this article where I get to, and she has a, like a Venn diagram for this and all. And I'm like, so this is great and all, but like, um, what does that have to do with doing a thousand pushups a day? Like, how did that get you to feel more connected to other people? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, so she goes through this whole exhausting from August to December training plan and she gets herself to a thousand push-ups. And I'm just here to say like, this is not necessarily bad advice, like how to get yourself to a thousand push-ups, but it's one of the worst goals I've seen all week. Like that is a terrible is goal. There, I mean, is there, what, That's all what are the say. benefits what, I, besides what just like, arms and back? I'm like, I'm like doing more push-ups in your life. Great. 200 push-ups. A hundred. For the record, I can't do five. I did eight. <laughs> you did eight. I did eight yesterday, eight. and I then I did twelve. Well, maybe you're on the path. No, you're I'm on, on my way. I'm on my way. Mm -hmm. So that was my way. Yeah. So what was some of your best this week? Uh, okay. Now let's 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 talk about the reflection. What was her name? Wonderlass. The reflection. Wonderlass. I sent you the link, right? Very, very kind of spontaneously as I was listening in the car, not, I pulled over, of course, to send you the link. But uh, yeah, I was like, ah, listen to her. So chirpy, so positive. I can't yeah. stand it, blah, blah, blah. And then I had a rethink. I had a moment where I thought, well, you know what? I don't, let's not do that to a sister yeah. right now. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, we can, we can parse the gender yeah, exactly. sort of discrepancy there. But I just had this very quick sort of, you know, AOC in a white pantsuit and cape moment where I thought, no, no, we are not going to bash exactly, this sister. I mean, this, this came out of a, a separate conversation we were having about Marie Kondo and about the sort of like, right. well, what happens when authority, authoritativeness, good advice, uh, thoughtfulness, doesn't come packaged in a way that we associate with power, which is in a, in a masculine way. What if a woman stands up and speaks in, in a woman's voice and is super enthusiastic and self-deprecating and chirping? Yeah. You know, right. why is my instant reaction to, to discredit her? Why don't I actually listen to what she's saying? Like, why does a woman have to sound like a man in order to be authoritative? I also warmed up to Wonderlass, I have to tell you. I was but is not that a fan what we wanted? For the first 30 minutes. I was like, stop. And then I started listening. Did to we want, I mean, and she's really, really good. Okay. She's good. Did we want her to 
to sound like a man? Well, I, d- I think that's, I went on similar trip that you did, where it's like, I realized that I was discrediting her in my mind because she didn't sound the way I associate m- male authority. I will say for the record that I have listened to men speaking in a man's way, but also being super chirpy and, you know, doing the same sorts of things. And I have moments where I want to turn them off also. So it's not completely an only a gendered thing, but I think it has a really heavy gender component. And I do think that I started out wanting her to stop being Talking. so girly. Such a chick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I really let it sink in. Like, why am I expecting that of her? Why don't I let her authority come from a different place? Right. She's well, chosen. Yeah. It's a good question. To be herself in this particular way. Why don't I just meet her where she is? And then after I did that, I listened to a second one of her podcasts, and it was a tie between her and Jennifer T. Chan this week for me, also for the best. Nice. Best advice. Yeah, I liked the advice about reflecting. It's it's useful. Um, Let's unpack that for our readers. Yeah. Because we want to have them have a takeaway. Yeah. So. So what was the what was Wonderlass's reflection? I'm trying to remember exactly what she said, but something like, you know, you need to have at least a monthly check-in. And make a list of all your numbers. If you're doing social media, list all your numbers of all your engagements across your platforms. If you're making money, list how much you made and what you sold. You know, just get all your numbers in one place. And then spend a little bit of time just looking at how did I get there? What what did I set out to do? What didn't work out? What did work out? Why did it work out? What would I do differently? And she says, if you just invest that little amount of time, you'll really get you know way better results. And she really emphasizes that you know you're going to see some things failed, and that's good because you can see them, nip them in the bud, change direction. Mm-hmm. So my companion one to that, and then I I also want to talk about Jennifer Chan is. Um, I went on to listen to a a second podcast of hers, which was like, what's the number one thing you need to succeed in business or succeed at anything? And she went through a bunch of other things that you think you would need. And then she comes around and says, belief is the one thing you need, because what you're going to do, if it's worth doing, is going to be hard. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to not believe in yourself sometimes. If you don't have a belief, a clear belief in what you're doing and why, you will not persist and you will not succeed. And that has really stuck with me because I'm at this point with, I I had so much belief, I still do, about the traumatized budget and who the audience is and how how I might reach them. I'm I'm scared right now, but like, do I have the time? Am I too exhausted to try to do this? And if I didn't have that belief that, you know, somebody needs to do this particular kind of personal finance blog, I wouldn't get anywhere. So that was my, is like, for those of you out there listening, whatever it is you're doing, something that you really want to do, it's actually not the talent, skills, practical ability, money, time, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're tired or not tired. It's whether you believe in what you want to do. And if you don't right now know that, sit down, reflect, look at where you are, mm-hmm. put these two tips mm-hmm. together and see if you might have a better February because of it. I had I wanted to add one more small thing. It doesn't fit anywhere in our podcast mm-hmm. thing, but um, in our in our format. But as I was thinking about, you know, what is productivity and what else is there in the world other than productivity, uh, 
I started thinking about spreadsheet art. Do you know about this? No. What? So there's like a whole culture of artists who do Googling art using Excel or Google spreadsheets and filling in the little squares. And there's one artist in particular I'd found by the name of Tatsuo Horiuchi who uses Excel spreadsheets to make these incredibly delicate looking like painted screens in kind of classic Japanese style. A very large. Send me a link. I will. But I was just thinking like, you know, you don't do something like that with a mindset of I'm going to be productive, <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. Um, so right. like if your entire life is devoted to productivity, you're going to miss a lot. Of course, if you're like me, you've spent your entire life not missing things and being completely unproductive. <laughs> so there's a way, you know, there's a there's a there's a middle ground we'd all like to hit. Well, and yeah, I mean, I find what you say about um, belief interesting and 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 inspirational. Oh, that is beautiful. Yeah, that's really pretty. Appleisblack.com seems to be the the link you sent me. But do I believe in my novel? Believe what? You know, like that it's important. Just fifty million books out there, right? You have a, that it needs to exist. That it. I mean, you have a purpose beyond just the book. I mean, the book is something that you want to be very high quality and desirable. But you're doing it not only to be some great artiste. I think you're doing it with a very pragmatic bent. I mean, I can say the same about me. Like, in addition to wanting my blog to be meaningful, as you know, I would like to monetize the fuck out of it. Yeah. So I need the mon- I need money. Yeah. To and and I do and I know believe that I believe that I need money. A couple years. <laughs> yeah. You believe that you deserve money. I believe it. Just as you deserve to breathe. I don't know. That's still out. The jury's still out on that. Part of your worthiness project is also your net worth project. Your net worth project. That's good. I like that. You understand. There's no shame. No shame. There's no shame in Seamus. There's no shame in Seamus. But actually there is, but there isn't. Which is a conundrum. Well, I, I just actually just want to turn off the podcast and just keep talking to you because, like, haven't we earned that? I I believe we have. <laughs> However, I've already stretched my family's tolerance for me not being a hundred percent available to them. John tells me to tell you that because we're doing this podcast, he's been deprived of his Monday night jobs, which I'm here to tell you he doesn't get. But like in his mind. <laughs> That could be a thing. It could just have happened. Just could have in happened. case you're wondering, could have happened. that will be going into the episode. <laughs> in fact, it'll be the opening of the episode. You know, I think this worked out because we kept it going long enough to get enough material. Let's never do this on a Monday night again. I'm never doing this without my frosted mini wheats <laughs> and my glass of Prosecco. <laughs> Thank you for listening. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on SoundCloud. Just search for Getting Anything Done. 
and then look for our Facebook, our soon to launch Facebook page, which I'm sure will be called Getting Anything Done. And in the meantime, until our next podcast sometime in July 2020, just Just do do your best. best. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at each other all the way down. You are a punch on Monday nights. <laughs> I'm so exhausted. Thanks for listening to Getting Anything Done. Your hosts have been Lisa Seamus and Rebecca Flowers Seamus. Thanks to Blue Dot Sessions for our music. Find more information about the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, and our Facebook page, Getting Anything Done.